listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Well, it is so good uh, to have you today. We're in this teaching series uh, that we've just simply called over it. In fact, it's part one of the teaching series today. And I don't know about you, but this whole series was really designed out of this frustration that I think all of us felt as we came out of 2020. I think all of us, as we exited 2020, we probably felt like that we were just totally over it, that we, we were done and we, didn't wanna look, we don't wanna look back anymore and we just need a, a fresh start. And really that's where this idea came out of for this series called over it. But not only are we going to be talking about being over 2020 and being over the past year, um, but today uh, in the rest of this series, we're actually going to be talking about how do we get over some of those things that we have in our life that are really difficult for us. Some of those things that uh, really give us uh, some trouble in our life. I think all of us, we have those things in our life that we say that we're over, but we're not really over them. We like to think that we can get over it, but they come back creeping and crawling into our life, and we're never truly free from those things. And this series is all about that. This series is all about breaking free once and for all uh, from really the things that we just can't seem to get over. You see, we all have areas in our life that show up over and over again. In fact, I think the New Year's really helps us recognize that. How many of you have had the same New Year's resolution for a couple years now? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of us, we've had the same New Year's resolution over and over and over again. And I don't know about you, but I've quickly found out that resolutions don't really work. There's not a lot about resolutions that actually last. In fact, I brought some numbers for you today because these were like stunning numbers to me. Here's what it says is that 90% of people in the US will make a New Year's resolution. Nine out of 10 of you in this room have a New Year's resolution, but it says that more than 80% of those resolutions will be abandoned by Valentine's Day. February the 14th. So 90% of you made a resolution, but 80% of you lose it by Valentine's Day. And so here's what happens. I think every January, really one of two things happens. Every January, uh, we, we have this mindset. Either first, we go into January all pumped up and we're like, we're gonna tackle this again. I'm finally gonna lose some weight or I'm finally gonna be consistent in my Bible. I'm finally gonna do these things. We think, oh yeah, I'm gonna do it again. And some of us, we've gotten to the point in life to where we're like, uh, I'm just going to give up. <laughs> like, I'm not even making any New Year's resolutions because I, I, just, I just don't believe that they work. And really, that's what this series is, is all about. It's going to help us tackle those things. In fact, I would say that the thesis of, those, of that series is really just this, is that real change never takes place when you only work on external things. Think about it. Real change, in your, if you really want to see change in your life, 
It'll never take place when you're just working on the things that are on the outside, which, by the way, that's what most New Year's resolutions are. That's why they don't work, because so many of us, our New Year's resolution is to change our schedule, to change our diet, to change our habit. That, that's what we're trying to change, and it's just external things. And can I tell you that any time that you tackle the things on the outside without addressing the things on the inside, it's bound to have failure written all over it. It's bound to have failure. Just all, 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 it, it, It's not going to work. And really what we've done in the series over it is I, I think the series is designed to help you look in, deep down in some of those things that I think really affect all of us. In fact, I truly do believe that if you would just begin to address the condition of your heart, if you would begin to address your heart, I think the things happening on the outside of you, you would begin to see a change if you would just address the things happening on the inside of you. In fact, that's really what this series is all about. Over the next couple of weeks in this series, we're gonna deal with different topics. We're gonna to deal with topics like anger, Many of us were angry, angry at, some of us were not, we're just, we're just angry. And, and how, do we, how do we get over that? How, how do we, we, we say we want to get over it, but how do we truly get over it? Some of us, I think a, a huge topic, especially going into this next year uh, that we're going to be talking about, I believe, we're, in fact, this is probably going to be next week's topic. We talk, we're going to be talking about depression. How do we battle depression? How do we get over, how do we, how do we truly get over depression and anxiety and, and things like that. In fact, I, I was reading a little bit uh, this week an article about depression, and it talked about how, uh, of course, this year was such a depressing year, but it said people who were a part of some type of faith community were less depressed than last year because they had that stronghold there. They had something to hold on to. And so we're going to be talking about depression next week. And then we're going to be covering topics like anxiety and stress. And I'm excited for those topics. But today, uh, in, well, today and honestly every week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give first, I want to give you the theology behind what we feel. And then at the end of the message, I just want to give you some practical steps where you can go home and put this thing into action. In fact, if, I, I really do believe that if you would just begin to do some of these things that I'm going to tell you this morning, that you're going to be able to see some lasting change in your life. And isn't that what we all want? We just want some real change in our life. We just want something to be different. As we look into this next year, all we really want is some change in our life. And so today, um, honestly, I'm not going to give you a light message just because it's the new year. We're going to jump off the deep end of the pool, and we're going to talk about probably everybody's favorite topic, which is addiction. How do we deal with addiction? And in fact, this message really is going to set up the next several weeks, so I'm glad that you're here for this. But the verse that I'm so grateful for that's in the Bible that really covers this topic uh, is, is found in Romans chapter seven. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that. Um, but Romans chapter seven really deals with the frustration from a guy uh, by the name of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a great man in the New Testament. I mean, Paul quite literally wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Like he, he writes most of the scripture that we read. Paul not only was that, but he was a church planter. He went out and planted churches. And in this passage of scripture, Paul gets honest and transparent with us. And honestly, Paul looks in, in the scripture to sum it all up. Paul basically just says, I'm an addict. Like I'm addicted to something. And then in fact, here's what, here's what Romans chapter seven says, verse 21. 
It says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. How many of you feel that? That every time that you feel like you're trying to do good, you're trying to be a good parent, you're trying to be a good husband or wife, you're trying to be good in school, you're trying to be good at whatever you're doing, it's like evil is just knocking at the door and it's right there with you. Maybe you feel like a cartoon character with the devil on one side and the angel on the other and they're both talking to each other and you're trying to figure out which one to listen to. That's where Paul is. Paul's frustrated. He's like, God, I'm trying to do the right thing, but every time I try to do the right thing, it's like evil is right there with me. It says, for my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law, which by the way, I think so many of us, that's what, how we feel. So many of us, we're caught up in addiction and we just feel like prisoners. We have these things in our life that we do that we don't want to do but that we just keep doing. And it feels like we're a prisoner. And it says we're a prisoner of sin at work within my, within my members. What a wretched man I am. So here's Paul. He's open and honest. And can I just tell you, I, I mean, I think, honestly, this message this morning is for every person who maybe you have something in your life that you don't want to do, but you keep doing. And just like what Paul said in scripture here, I'll back it up. You're a prisoner. You're a prisoner to yourself. You're a prisoner to that addiction. Can I tell you, in fact, I, I really do believe that's what addiction actually is. In fact, let me ask you a few questions uh, to, get, to really get things moving here. How many of you guys, how many of you know somebody that is completely messed up by their addictions? How many of you know somebody that is addicted to something, they're just messed up by their addiction? Several of us, right? A lot of us, we, we have people in our life that we, they're addicted to something and they're really messed up. But let me ask you this. How many of yourself would call, how many of, how many of you would call yourself an addict? Some of us, not near as many of us would call ourselves an addict. In fact, not a lot of us want to call ourselves an addict. In fact, the, the truth is, is that every single one of us, we're all addicts to one degree or another. In fact, I think it's funny kind of how culture skews words and different ideas. I think the word addiction and an addict is kind of the same thing because I think in our world today, we think the word addiction is just reserved for those really bad people. Like addiction is reserved for those people who go out and gamble all the time. Addiction is reserved for those people who are, uh, who are raging alcoholics. Addiction is reserved for those people who watch pornography. Addiction is reserved for those people who do drugs. We think that that's, uh, addiction is reserved for those type of people. But this morning I would submit to you that an addiction it's actually anything that we're doing that we don't want to do, and we can't stop doing it. In fact, I think it's anything that keeps, up, keeps showing up in our New Year's resolution year after year. You wanna know what you're addicted to? Tell me your New Year's resolution. I can tell you what you're addicted to. And see, the problem is, in, in our culture, we can be really arrogant about somebody else's addiction. In fact, a lot of us are really quick to tell about somebody else's addiction. Well, they've got the, they've got the addiction. They've got it. But when we talk about ourselves, I think it's funny. I don't know if you've ever noticed. We don't talk about ourselves as if we are addicted. Instead, we talk to ourselves as if we just have some problems. 
You know what I'm talking about? We, we just got some issues. Like, we just got some things going on in our life. We're not addicts. We've just got some problems. I, I, I think we, we think, well, well, if we don't do crack cocaine, then, then we're, we're okay. But you might not do crack, but you're also on Facebook eight hours a day. <laughs> you're addicted. You're addicted to something. We all have something. In fact, can I just say this? So do I. As your pastor, I'm addicted to some things as well. And I know that might not sound comforting for your pastor to say that he's addicted, but hello, everybody. My name is Noah Fritchie, and, I, <laughs> and I, I, I've got, listen, we all have things that we do that we don't want to do. In fact, I think one of my greatest pet peeves, and I, I've, I've grown up in church, so I, I've been around a lot of church people. In fact, I heard this story once before. Is, uh, well, let me finish this. One of my greatest pet peeves is when preachers try to tell you exactly what to do. When they look at your life and they say, here's what's wrong with your life, A, B, and C, here's how you fix it. I just, I, I just when I read scripture, I, I don't see that. I, I, in, I don't see that in the Bible. I see the Bible talks a lot about the Holy Spirit working in on you, and, and the Holy Spirit gives and guides. It's not my direction to point out all your addictions, but it's just kind of a pet peeve that I have with preachers. In fact, I heard a story once about a guy who, uh, who sm- he smoked a lot of cigarettes, man, and, uh, and, and the preacher comes out and says, hey, man, you need to stop smoking those cigarettes. You know what? You're going to hell for smoking those cigarettes, and you're smelling like it in the process. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, it, and it's just like, oh, that's uncalled for. And then, and then the guy responds to the preacher. He's like, listen, man, you're 450 pounds. Like, you look in the mirror, buddy. Like, oh, yeah. Ooh, ouch. I tell you that because I'm, I, it, it's not... I, I, I'm not going to come today and preach to you and, this, and say that this doesn't apply to me. Because in all ways, it does apply to me. And it applies to all of us. I mean, all of us. We have areas in our life that we're doing things that we don't want to do that we need to stop doing. Listen, an addiction, yeah, it might, you might be addicted to gambling or drugs or alcohol. But you might also be addicted to your television, you might be addicted to your food. You might be addicted to spending money. Some of us were addicted to hunting. Some of us were addicted to sports. Uh, you, a lot of us are addicted to social media. You name it, it's all there. Can I tell you an addiction? It's just things that overtake us and have control over our life. It's things that we can't get our mind off of. It's things that we're dwelling about all the time. It's the reason that we can't sleep. We're all addicts to something and we need to fix it. But before we fix it, I think it's important to really identify what that is. We need to identify what that is in your life. And to help us identify it, I just want to give you a really simple cycle of addiction. Um, Let me show you this here. Here's what I believe the cycle of addiction is. I think that addiction starts and it actually becomes a part of your identity. That when you're addicted to something, it quite literally becomes who you are. Which, by the way, I am directly opposed to you internalizing your addiction, because that's where it starts. Let me give you an example of how uh, people internalize their addiction. If you ever hear say, someone say, well, uh, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, or whoever, they were just big people, so I'm just going to be overweight, I'm just going to be a, a big person. Maybe um, another one would be, I hear this all the time, 
well, my, my dad or my parents or my, my grandparents, my granddad was angry. We just come from a line of angry people. So I'm just angry. Like, that's just who I am. It's in my blood. Listen, that's what addiction wants to tell you. It wants to become a part of your identity. And listen, we've got to stop talking as if it is our identity. The Bible calls us to be free. In fact, if you missed the message last week, that's really what we talked about, was to have some positive confessions in your life on how don't listen to what the devil tries to tell you because the devil is going to tell you that you're, you're addicted, that you are an alcoholic, that you, that you are all these different things, but you're not. The Bible says you're not. God says you're not, and you need to stop believing that. Stop making that your identity. In fact, I talked about this at the last couple of services about how um, the, the whole group and the whole idea and function of AA is a really great thing. Like it's gotten a lot of people out of a lot of different things. But if there's one thing that I could change about something like AA is, I, I, and I would literally probably only change this one thing, is the, hello, my name's Noah Fritchie and I'm an alcoholic. I just think that when you say things like that, it becomes a part of your identity. I would just add, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm no longer who I was. I'm no longer who they said I am. You cannot let addiction become a part of your identity. Here's the second thing that happens with addiction is that when you try to quit but fail, you become increasingly hopeless. And a lot of you can identify with that because you've been addicted to something before, you tried to quit, uh, maybe, you, maybe you tried to delete like social media or something before because you, know, you knew you were addicted, but then you failed, and then now you just feel totally hopeless, like, like you don't know what to do anymore. In fact, if you say things like, well, this is just who I am, it's just who I am, things are never going to change, then that's exactly what's going to happen, everybody. That's exactly what's going to happen. And I think my job as your pastor in this series is to help try to raise your hopes. For those of you who feel hopeless about your addiction, I feel like my job is to help you try to raise your hopes. And I hope that I can do that in this series. Here's the next thing that happens when you're addicted to something, is that any threat to your addiction becomes a threat to you personally. Any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me personally. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you've ever seen something in somebody, like they're doing something wrong or they're addicted to something and you try to point it out and all of a sudden walls get built up and all of a sudden they're angry, they're upset, they're frustrated. Don't be touched. Don't be talking about that. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to talk about it. Automatically they become so defensive. It's human nature. It's what happens when somebody tries to touch our addiction. In fact, I'm convinced, by the way, that this is the reason that so many of you, you'll hear about small groups, and can I, we're getting ready to go into small group season in February. You're going to hear about small groups a lot, and we're going to harp on them on stage, and I'm convinced that the reason why so many of you won't get into a group, it, like, it's not that you don't understand that they're important. You understand that they're important, but you just don't want anybody touching your issues. You just don't want anybody pointing out your wrongs. You don't want anybody touching your addiction because when they talk about that, it becomes a threat to you. And I'm convinced that that's the reason why so many of us, why we 
why, why we won't begin to get into a small group. Here's the next step that happens in addiction. It's this, is that you begin to lose your life. And this one hurts because so many of us, quite literally, we probably understand this. Maybe you know someone from high school. Maybe you know a good friend or even maybe a family member for you that quite literally lost their life to addiction because this cycle took them to that point. In fact, I would just say that I dedicate this message this morning to any person in here, any person watching online who says, this can't be the way that God intended for my life. This can't be... This can't be who I am. This is not what God had for me. Listen, we all fall into that trap, every single one of us. And can I just tell you, that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. I mean, the enemy wants to keep you so distracted in your, in your problems so that you'll never, ever reach your full potential. That's what he wants. He wants you to lose your life. And then finally, you ease the pain by simply just getting your next fix. That's the cycle of addiction. You ease the pain by clicking again, by spending again, by eating again, by watching again. That's how you ease the pain. And then guess what? The cycle just repeats over and over and over again. So many of us, that's where we find ourselves. That's where we find ourselves at the new year. We're setting New Year's resolutions because we've gone through this cycle and we're back at the beginning. So the question of today really becomes this, is how do we get the cycle to stop? <laughs> like, how do we get it to stop once and for all? How do we really get over this idea of addiction? How do we break the trap of the thing that I don't want to do, but I just keep doing? And I think at the heart of this message and at the heart of this series is really this thought here is that you have to change it by changing your heart. You have to change you're, if you want to be free, you have to change by changing your heart, not just the action that you're doing. I think the whole idea is that you have to dig deeper. You have to find an internal motivation. In fact, I would say that addiction is not the problem. Addiction is a fancy word, but I don't think addiction is actually the problem. I think addiction is actually just a symptom of a bigger disease that we all have, a disease that the Bible talks about a lot, which is idolatry. I think addiction is really just a symptom of idolatry. And you might be saying, well, oh, wait, hold on. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Pastor. Like that, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like I don't have any Buddhas in my house. I don't have any idols. I'm not, maybe you're, I'm not bowing down. I'm not doing that. Listen, idolatry is actually defined as anything that we have allowed to have a place of importance in our heart above God. Idolatry is just anything that you care about, anything that you internally care more about than God. You see, everything in our life, everything that we have in our life that we're doing that we can't quit doing is because it has, something, it has become something that's really important to us. It's become an idol in our heart. And I, let me just say, we, we all, from time to time, we all have things that have become too important to us. Listen, we all have those things that have, that have taken that place, that, that, that it's taken that throne in our heart, so to say. And can I tell you, when something takes that place in your heart, here's what happens. When it's in your heart, you begin to worship it. And whatever you worship, 
you begin to serve. And whatever you serve, you become a slave to. Let me say that again. Whatever is in the top place of your heart, you worship. Whatever you worship, you serve. And whatever you serve, you become a slave to it. And can I tell you, there's only one person, there's only one thing, there's only one God out there that is worthy of us worshiping, serving, and becoming a place to. It's God. It's Jesus. He's the only one worthy. In fact, I just want to read to you today a story found in the Old Testament, a story that you've probably read over before, and it didn't make a lot of sense to you. I hope that I can break it down to you. It's a story in Isaiah chapter 44. Here's what it says. It says, how foolish, Isaiah says, how foolish are those who manufacture idols, to which we read that verse and say, well, yeah, duh, like those idiots who go out and make idols, of course, like, uh, uh, of course, how foolish are they? It goes on to say, these prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols, though, they don't know this. To which, could I just challenge you this morning? Maybe you're worshiping an idol. You don't even recognize it. You don't know. And so you're put to real shame, Isaiah says. Who but a fool would make his own God an idol that cannot help him one bit? I want uh, to look at this really quick. In fact, I'm going to skip a few verses here in Isaiah. If you want to read the full story, you can go do that. But we're going to skip a few verses. And Isaiah talks about this guy in the story who plants, he plants a few trees. He plants a cedar. He plants an oak. I think he plants a pine tree as well. He plants all these trees. And the Bible talks about that the trees grow up and they, the trees mature. And Isaiah says that he uses part, this guy, he uses part of the wood to make fire. With it, he warms himself and he bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and he makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and he bows down in front of it. It's saying here in the scripture, really what I believe is that God has given us good things. Like a tree is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. He's given us good things. And can I tell you when those good things are used in a way that God has intended us to use it, it's actually good things. But Isaiah says that everything can cross a line. That there's a point where even the good things you have in your life, they can begin to cross a line. Let me give you an example of this. Money, great thing. You have to have money, right? You have to have money to live. But it's really easy for that dollar to cross a line where it becomes more important in your heart than God does. It becomes more important to you to go out and make a dollar than to submit to God every day. It becomes more important to you to make some money than to, than to be in God's house even on the weekends. It becomes a God to you. It can cross a line. Not only money, but for so many of us, it's sports as well. Sports can cross a line where, where it becomes, it actually becomes a God. Like sports are, are, is good. But 
We can actually love it so much that we care more about it than we do our God. Same way with social media. Same thing with food. Same thing with hunting. All these different examples that I've been giving you today. Can I tell you even that it's the same thing with Amazon Prime, everybody. Amazon Prime is a beautiful, awesome, great thing. But can I tell you, it can cross a line. It, it, it can be too much sometimes. It's a wonderful thing, but it can cross a line and it can become a God. And the crazy thing about it And what Isaiah says is that oftentimes we don't even see it. We're worshiping idols and we don't even realize it. In fact, Isaiah talks a little bit more about this guy. He says he burns part of the tree uh, to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. And he says, ah, that fire's good. I love the NLT here. And, 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 And of course, listen, this guy, he has the wood. He does the right thing with it. When you do it properly, it works. It's great. You can say, ah, that fire, it's so good. But then Isaiah says he takes what's left and he makes his God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. He says, rescue me. You are my God. I want you to notice that that thing that now God intended for good He intended that tree to provide some warmth and to provide some cooked food for for this man. Now he's had an improper relationship with it and he's crossed a line. And I think that's the essence of addiction for us. I think somehow, somewhere uh, along the line, we developed an improper relationship with whatever it was. We developed an improper relationship with money, with social media, with sports, with Amazon Prime. Some of us, We developed an improper relationship with TikTok once it turned 4 a.m. in the morning and we were supposed to be asleep, right? I mean, we we have this, everything can cross a line. Maybe for you, it's Netflix or TV, whatever it is, there can be an improper relationship with it and it's good, but it can all cross a line. And look what Isaiah says. He doesn't, (laughs) he's just pretty straightforward. Such stupidity and ignorance this man has. Their eyes are closed and they can't, even see it. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why it's just a block of wood. It's just Netflix. It's just a dollar. I burned half of it for heat and I used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? Instead, the verse goes on, it says, the poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand? Is it a lie? This new year, I'm begging yourself, I'm begging you to ask yourself that very question. Is this idol that I have Is it a lie? And listen, if you can't tell if it's an idol or not, ask the Holy Spirit. He's there to help guide you. Ask God, has has this, have I let money, have I let my job, have I let my social media become an idol to me? Listen, I'm I'm begging you to pray this last verse. God has has football become too important to me? God, has has these things become too important to me? You have to dethrone that thing that has your heart. And can I tell you, once we dethrone that thing, we will become free from that addiction once and for all.
So you say, well, Pastor Noah, how do I do it? How do I dethrone that thing? With the less, I just got a few minutes left for you. I want to teach you how I believe that each and every one of us, we can begin to dethrone that thing that has our heart. Because I think this is the part where a lot of us, we don't have success. A lot of us, this is the, this is the hardest part for us. And I, I, I want to go through a verse of scripture, scripture here that I hope inspires you. And I think many of, us, uh, many of us, we've gone about some of these things way too lightly. Let me explain that so many of us, we come to church, we come to a service like this, and we, we pray a prayer together, and we have a great spiritual moment, but then we go home, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing happens. feels like nothing changes. I think the reason for that is because we've never, we've never really took it to the level that God has intended us to take it. Like God, God wants us to take these things to a different level. In fact, we see that in this next story that I'm going to give you. Because even the disciples of Jesus had trouble. Jesus sent out 12 people to do his work, to do some ministry. And these guys, they had a lot of success out there. But there's one time that the disciples, they come back on one occasion and it didn't work. Here's the story. They were casting out a devil from this young boy and the devil didn't come out. And that's where this story picks up. I want, I want to show you here. It's in Matthew chapter 17. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. I brought him to your people. <laughs> I brought him to your church but they couldn't help. They couldn't do it. And then Jesus gives us two words. And I think there's a huge secret that lies in these two words. Look at what he says. Jesus says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. I think there is a secret. I'm going to back it up here that says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. There's a secret in these two words. And before we leave today, I just want to give you something that I think each and every one of us can learn from these two words. Because if we're really going to overcome that addiction in our life once and for all, we need to dethrone the God of our heart. And the thing that is keeping us in chains to addiction, we have to follow these two words. Here's the first word, unbelieving. Unbelieving essentially just means I'm not connected to God. I'm not connected to God enough. In fact, an unbeliever quite literally is just someone who attempts to do something on their own. If you're an unbeliever, you've just lost faith. You've just lost hope. You're just trying to do it your own way. You're just not connected to God enough. But not only does Jesus say that you're unbelieving, but he says you're perverse meaning that you're too connected to the world. So you're not connected to God enough, and you're too connected to the world. Which, by the way, any relationship that you'll have in life, you'll learn that these two principles definitely apply. Not just to God, but any important relationship that you have in your life. Can I tell you, it's really important in my relationship with my wife that we have both of these things. The idea that I have more of a closeness to her 
and I'm, I have to be disconnected from all other relationships in the world. I have to, there comes to a point to where I have to disconnect from anything that would try to hinder my relationship with her. Every relationship works like this. In fact, if you're serious about real change in your life, these two things have to happen in your life. Essentially, Jesus in this passage is just saying, you're not seeing any victory in your life because you're unbelieving and you're perverse. To which I would say, and I hope that you would ask the same question, how do we do it, Jesus? <laughs> how do we become more believing and how do we become less perverse? Fortunately, later on in the passage, Jesus gives us the answer. In fact, I think this is kind of funny because Jesus says that and then they go on about their business. And then later on, it says, the disciples came to Jesus in private, meaning the disciples were a little embarrassed. <laughs> The disciples, they tried, but they failed. And then Jesus kind of embarrassed them and said, called them unbelieving and perverse. So later on, the disciples come to Jesus and say, uh, Jesus, why, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? To which you might be here today saying, huh, Jesus, why couldn't I get rid of that addiction? Why have I had the same New Year's resolution every year? Why have I tried over and over again? Why couldn't I get it out? He replied, Jesus says, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But Jesus says, huh, here's the secret. You wanna know how to become less, how to become more believing and less perverse? He says, you do it by praying and fasting. All that to say, this January, I would be delighted to lead you through some real change in your life. I wanna lead you to become more believing, meaning you're more connected to God and less perverse, less connected to the world by doing the two things that Jesus tells us to do. Jesus says that prayer, you need to pray and you know what prayer does? It connects us to God. In fact, let me just redefine prayer for you for just a second, because I think a lot of people, when we say prayer, we, 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 I, we all think of different things. Listen, prayer is not just something that you just would read out of a book or a hymnal, or it's not just the Lord's prayer or, or a, an evening prayer or a morning prayer, whatever. That's not what prayer is. Also, let me also say prayer is not an, oh, by the way, God. I think all of us are good at that. Oh. By the way, God, uh, I'm having this issue right now. I didn't study for this test at all. Lord, give me the wisdom to ace this test. Amen. You know, like, like uh, those 911 prayers. That's not what prayer is. The Bible says prayer has to be close. It's got to be close. That's why twice a year I lead you through a season. I, I would like to call it intensive prayer. Where for 21 days. We put a focus on prayer. I tell you, next week, it's, it's, the, it's the first week, January the 10th. Would you join us in praying? Well, you might say, well, what, what in the world does that mean? Listen, we've done this every year as a church for the past three years. We intentionally put God, and we intentionally go to God in prayer at this time of the year, actually two times a year, in January and in August, because I think that January and in August, that's two times of the year that we're most disconnected from God. Can I tell you that 
December, we just came out of the most self-indulgent materialistic season of the year, everybody. Like we're all fatter. We all got more stuff that we need. Like we, we just came out of that season. I just want to encourage you that this January, it's time to get closer to him again. It's time to get closer to God again. Would you consider just using the devotional? We're going to have devotionals for you next week. We're going to have them online for those of you watching online. Would you pray every day? Would you join us? I can tell you it can change your life. So if prayer connects us to God, let me tell you this. Fasting disconnects us from the world. If you want to undo the unbelieving and perverse generation, pray and fast. In fact, let me tell you what fasting really is, because I'm actually convinced that most of the body of Christ really doesn't understand fasting. In fact, if you come from a traditional background, uh, you've, you've probably heard of fasting in, in relation to something like penance, where, where you, you give up something. You, you, you su- essentially, it's all about suffering for the sake of God. So that you, would, that you would suffer so that you can show God that you're really in love with him and that you're really serious about him. That's not what fasting is about. God doesn't want you to suffer in that way. Instead, fasting is really an intentional way to disconnect from anything that is an idol in our heart. You wanna dethrone that idol in your heart? Get rid of it, fast from it, delete it. Do whatever you have to do to dethrone that thing in your heart. Can I tell you, fasting is just that intentional disconnect from anything that has taken God's place in your heart. So many of us, maybe some of us, we're gonna fast food. Some of us, we're, we're going to disconnect from the world via social media. Some of us, we're just gonna stop watching the news. Some of us, we're gonna, <laughs> we might need to delete TikTok or Amazon Prime or something, whatever it is. We're gonna get rid of that thing that has our heart. We're gonna live without it for 21 days. We're gonna let God take his first place back. And with the time that we would spend doing those things, we're gonna spend time with him. We're gonna replace that time with him. And that's why I'm inviting every one of you, every one of you that calls calls our church home, would you just join us in the prayer, in the the, the spirit of praying and fasting with me. Listen, you've got all week to think about what you need to fast from. You have all week to consider what, what is on the throne of your heart. Would you join us next week as we start this praying and fasting? Listen, we all have things in our life that we don't want to do, that we do, that we keep doing, because quite honestly, we've allowed it to take the place, the the, the throne in our heart, and it's become an idol to us. And we dethrone those things by aggressively doing what Jesus says, by by being more believing and less perverse. How? By praying, connecting to God more, and by fasting and disconnecting from the world. And I tell you that it can be the best 21 days of your life if you take it seriously. Let me pray over you as we leave today. Father, today we give all of our cares and concerns over to you. Lord, help us to be a more believing generation. Lord, help us to connect to you more. But God, let us also help us to be less connected to the world. God, help us to put some of those things that we're addicted to, the thing that has that first place in our heart. God, help us to dethrone that thing. 
Because God, that thing that is in first place of our heart, God, not only do we worship it, but we become a slave to it. And today, as we begin this new year, we say that that's not the path that we want. Lord, we want freedom in our heart. Lord, help us as we go throughout this year. Lord, help us as we go into these 21 days. Lord, would you help us to dethrone that thing that has our heart right now? Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the examples that we have in scripture on how to follow you. Lord, we thank you that 2021 can be our best year because it can be our best year spiritually. We're excited to see what you're going to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much in advance for who you are and how great you've been to us. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, we never end a service without giving an invite to those of you who might say, I've never given my life to Jesus. God, maybe you're in this room and you say, God does not have the throne of my heart. He's not in first place internally. If that's you today, you have that opportunity. In fact, the Bible says that if you believe in your mouth, or if you, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you can be saved. You can make an eternal difference this year. You can literally be saved at the beginning of 2021. We're gonna give you that opportunity. In fact, if that's you in this room, would you just pray this simple prayer along with me? All it says is, God, I believe in you. I make you first in my life. In fact, church, because you believe in this prayer, let's all say this aloud. Say this together. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer this morning? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.